Now, you know, this morning I want to share with you from the thought of ending strong to carry on. Ending strong to carry on. Now, last week, uh, if you came for, um, for church last weekend, Pastor Chu shared a message on how to end the year well. So I, I don't want to take away, but rather build and add to what he has already uh, spoken on because we are coming to the end of the year. You know, we're coming to an exciting um, and meaningful time of December. But December also means that the new year is upon us. Not just Christmas, but soon 2018 will come to an end and then 2019 will take over. So this morning, I want to read to you, uh, I want to preach to you from the passage of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. Now, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to his protege, Timothy, to the person he mentors, all right, Timothy. Hence, the book of Timothy or the letter to Timothy says this, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. We're going to stop right there. So here... Paul is coming to the end of his ministry because he was already in jail and he knew that you know, his time was coming to an end. He was in jail because he was spreading the gospel, not because he was a criminal, but he was persecuted because he was trying to spread the good news about our Lord Jesus. So he was living in his calling, but that his calling took him into trouble. Now he's in jail and he's, he knows that he's been sentenced to be beheaded. So he writes to his mentee, right? The person that he's mentoring called Timothy, who happens to be a pastor. Now, you know when you are, when your life is coming to an end, you, and you, you need to tell, you know, the person that you're in relationship with uh, a final few words, you want to make those words count. You want to tell them like, hey, this is my final words to you, make this count. So he tells Timothy this, right? That I have already fought the good fight, I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. As an encouragement to Timothy. Now, for us, none of us are, probably most of us are not really in such a dramatic scenario, right? Like, it's not like we are in jail or our life or, or our ministry is coming to an end, but we are approaching the end of the year. So, there are a lot of times um, Paul describes our Christian faith as a, um, as a journey or as a race. And I also like to think in terms of illustrations. And I see life often also as a book. Any of you read books here? You like reading books? Only Pastor Chu reads books. The Bible counts as a book, by the way. You better put your hand up. Otherwise, you know, we have an altar call. Everyone's okay, okay me, me, right? Now, now, you know, with a book, um, there are chapters and then there are also, um, you know, there are different chapters in a book. Now, each chapter may be different, for, or usually different from, uh, from another chapter, right? I have this rule. Uh, I tend to try to be open to any book uh, that's given to me or that, uh, that I pick up, right? So, I usually have this rule. I will try to read the first 50 pages of a book. Uh, if I can't get 
if, if after the first 50 pages, I'm not that interested, I'll probably put it down. Doesn't apply to the Bible, by the way. Okay, read the whole thing. But um, so, you know, if life is like a book, because God is also described as the author and perfecter of our faith, our story is His story. Our story, the chapters of our life, is in the hands of the perfect author. And if our life is like a book, I see it this way. Every day is like a sentence. And every month is like a paragraph. And every year is like a chapter. Just as one chapter comes to a close, it's not the end of the story. It is simply the beginning of the new chapter, the continuation of our story. So, I want to pick up what Paul said as an encouragement to us. How can we end strong to carry on? Because unlike Paul, we are not ending here, unless Jesus comes, of course. We are not ending here just like that. We are going to a new year. The first point that Paul picks up, I want to catch up these three phrases, right? Pick up these three phrases. The first phrase he says is, I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. And it is simply this. Did you give your best? Did you give your all? You know, the illustration that Paul picks up here of a fight, because he lived in a day where um, it wasn't just a military fighting. You know, when a soldier goes to war, he doesn't think about like, well, I'll just go to the battlefield and see how I go. See how it turns out, right? I'll just bring my sword and I'll just go there and we'll see what happens. He doesn't do that because his life is dependent on it. And another thing that happened in the Roman times is um, gladiators, right? You all know gladiators? How many of you watched that movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe in year 2000? Some of you probably weren't even born um, then yet, right? But, you know, I used to love that movie Gladiator where they would actually fight for sport. Now, a gladiator goes into the arena and he fights for his life because oftentimes what happens is if he loses, it could mean it's the end of his fight. But, you know, I was researching this a little bit. The gladiators also have this code that when they go in, if they die, they want to die giving their best. Not going in there limp and surrendering, but they want to die what they call a glorious death. Um, because of Pastor Chu's sake, I actually gonna, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to tell you this um, story from World War II, right? Pastor Chu loves the World War. And yeah, he likes, he likes wars, right? <laughs> Wonder why you're a pastor, pastor, right? But, um, you know, in World War II, there was this, there's actually this place called Pavlov's House. Now, Pavlov's House was a site of a battle that took place in World War II during the Battle of Stalingrad. Now, what is the Battle of Stalingrad? It is when the Nazis actually invaded Soviet um, Russia, right? So, there was this little apartment building which Really, as a building, it didn't have great significance, but its location was key and strategic. So, this sergeant, his name was Yakov Pavlov, he was actually assigned to protect this place. Now, at that time, Joseph Stalin, he actually gave this order to all his soldiers. It was Order 227, not Order 66, okay? Some of you um, Star Wars buffs will know. Order 227, 
And that order was this, that no stepping back. Not a step back. This was for all the armies of Russia. Not a step back. You go and you give your best. So what Pavlov and his uh, little regiment of soldiers did was they fortified the building and they endured a siege from the Germans for 60 days. Now, 60 days doesn't sound like a long time, but if you are living in fear, and I even read that what what the soldiers would do, the Nazi soldiers would do, they would actually fire bullets and artillery into the air just to um, cause unrest and to cause the soldiers to lose sleep. So they endured that for 60 days. They held their ground. But at the end of it, the Soviet army managed to come through and relieve them of that siege. What did the soldiers have? They went in there and they came out of it and they could have, and they said that I have fought the good fight. So my My illustration or my point is this. Did you give your best? Now, it's not whether you became the best. And I'm not asking you about perfectionism. I'm saying, did you give your best? Giving your best is simply this. You give all that you could so that at the end of the day, you are not left with questions like, if only I should. That is giving your best. Did you give your best in everything, in your work, in your ministry, in your family? Not that whether you got everything all together, but did you give your all with what what you knew at that point of time? That is giving the best. That is fighting the good fight. And here's the thing, friends. If we gave our best and we came out triumphant, we came out well, celebrate. Thank God for a good year. But if you came out short or if there were certain things that didn't turn out the way that you wish it had or hoped it had, evaluate. Celebrate, evaluate. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. You, don't, you never lose. You only lose when you quit, when you give up. So as this year comes to a close, what are some of the lessons that you could learn or that God is trying to teach you through the different things that He has brought you through? You know, Paul p- puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 9. He said this, that when in a race, all the runners run to compete for a prize. Now run in such a way to get the prize. If you're going to do something, go all the way. Don't just go halfway. Like Paul, he preached the gospel, he preached it to the point where he was in jail. He went all the way. Now, I'm not asking you to die for Christ, I'm just telling you, live for Him. Would you live every day for Him? Would you give your best in all that you do? Whether it's your ministry, whether it's your business, whether it's your um, work or family, whatever it is, whatever that God has entrusted to you, give your best. Because we're simply stewards, do you know that? We're simply caretakers of our children, of our business, of our ministries. We are taking care and we are doing it for God. So if you come to the end of the year and you have said that, yes, I've given my best, praise God for that. Even though it may not have turned out the way you wanted, or it did, praise God 
any way. Be assured, my friends, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 says this, that whatever you do for the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Praise God because everything that we do counts for God. So don't just give a little bit, give your all. Celebrate, evaluate, and see how you have done. The second point is this, I have finished the race. And it's interesting, Paul talks about just finishing the race, not necessarily winning it. Just finishing it, coming to the end. So if you have survived all the way to December, praise God, you are almost at the finish line. Whether it's been a good year or bad year, you're almost there. The first thing is this, finish the race, and I see it as finish what you have started or complete what has been given to you. Now, I have a little daughter now, um, three months old. Uh, I, I hope and I pray one day I will have a son so that I can tell him, son, this is what real men do. Right, because you got to have the man-to-man, real men talk. So I'll tell him a few things, right? One is, son, you know, real men will respect a woman and, you know, not uh, make crude remarks about her, you know. Real men will do this, real men will do that. And one thing I would say is this, real men will finish what they start. Real men will finish what has been given to them. I want to encourage you, everyone here, to finish the year well so that you are a good testimony. What do I mean by this? One of the things that, um, you know, I, I try to discipline myself or, you know, I find that it's very easy to do sometimes or easy to, to lose in this area or lapse in this area is, um, it's, it's like, you know, when, when, when someone, those of you who are employers and employees, you, you understand what I'm saying. You know, sometimes when someone is moving on from a job, they tender their resignation, so they usually have to serve notice, right? Whether it's one month, three, or six months, or even a year. But what happens is a lot of times when people tender their resignation, they are there physically in body, present in body, but absent in spirit. You know what I mean? It's like they will turn up for work, but they will not be doing their work properly. They will say, they will, they will come there, they will, they will turn up, they'll rock up, and they'll be just there physically, but their heart is no longer there. And, you know, things start falling through the cracks, and they just leave it as, and people, uh, and this happens in ministries as well. Those of you who are zone leaders, SDLs, you can look at your cell leader and give them a staring glare right now, right? Some cell leaders, right, you're moving on, but it's like before you fully move on, now you've forsaken your cell. It's like, it's no longer my problem. It's a new cell leader's problem. Even though you discuss like, there's a transition period. So what we do is we stop caring. We stop turning up. Or we turn up and we just go, yeah, whatever happens, happens. I don't really care. And we can have that kind of attitude when it comes to our work as well. Can I say, encourage you this? If it's for ministry, end it well. Because whatever you are doing, you're doing it for God. Ministry is a privilege not a burden. It is a good thing to work with God and not just work for Him. And I can I say this, right, friends, uh, family, those in the workplace, how you end your job or whether you're transiting out or getting a promotion, whatever it is, it is a testimony. It is your testimony because you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. So if they know you are a Christian, 
and they see that, you know, you, you, you transit out of a job, you're just dropping things and you're leaving things, what kind of testimony would that leave? So you've got one more month, end the year well. Or maybe you're like, oh no, you know, I've already done that, I've left with a bad attitude and all that. It's okay, you've got a new year to look forward to, celebrate and evaluate. The other thing about this point, about finishing the race, is ensuring that we don't compare ourselves to others or looking over at someone else's race. You know, there's this story um, of Robert, was it Robert or Roger? Robert, right? Robert ba- Bannister. Roger Bannister, right? Roger Bannister. How many of you know Roger Bannister, this athlete? Right? Most of you will, don't, won't know him, but Roger Bannister was this athlete who actually broke the mile, uh, the four-minute mile, meaning he ran 1.6 kilometers in less than four minutes. Before then, nobody could have done that, and it was something that all the athletes in the world were trying to break through, but they couldn't. But Robert Bannister did it. Now, what happened was a few months later, this guy called John Landy actually broke uh, Bannister's uh, record by 1.4 seconds. So you know what, Red, when it comes to men, it means like it's on, right? Because with men, you know, you got to one-up one another and men is always competing. Any of you, your husband, your husband or your boyfriend, they always like to one-up one another. It's like they would, um, men like to do this. They'll get together and they'll say like, wow, you know, my car is very nice and then they will boast about their own car or like um, if like, you know, you say I can eat this much and somebody, oh, you can eat that much, I can eat more, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what men do. They one-up one another. So in typical man fashion, Robert Bannister and John Landy went up against one another in what they call the miracle mile, the race of the century. These two people racing to break that mile in less than four minutes and challenging who can do it quicker and faster. So it comes the day of the race, they're running, and John Landy, who actually already broke Bannister's record, is in the lead. But as he was approaching the finishing line, he wondered to himself where Bannister was. Because he couldn't see him. He was running. He couldn't see where Bannister was. He wanted to know how far ahead he was or whether Bannister had any chance to catch up on him. So he decided for a split second to look over his left shoulder to see where Bannister was. But as he did that, Without realizing it, he slowed his pace down a little bit and Bannister overtook him on his right and he won that race. Now what strikes me about that incident is that John Landy, if he had kept his eyes on his own lane, if he had kept his eyes on his own race, so to speak, his own performance, he would have done it he would have broken a record, he would have beaten Bannister. But what he did was he decided he wanted to look to see where, you know, his competitor was. And a lot of times, that's what we do. Sometimes we want to look at what other people are doing and compare. We want to look at other people, and I can't tell you, looking at other people, that no, most of the time, does not glorify God. Because first, if we look at someone else and we see that they are behind us, we'll be filled with pride where we go, thank God I'm not like them. Thank God I'm not in their situation. 
Thank God, you know, I'm not in their problems. Thank God for that. And that fills us with pride. But on the other hand, it also fills us with fear, which doesn't glorify God because then we start wondering how come someone else is more blessed than me? Why is that person going through this and why am I going through that? And as we run the race, fix your eyes on God and run the race that is marked out for you. Each and every one of us have a unique calling, a unique destiny, and a unique identity. You know, I thank God that God is big enough to have enough destiny and provision for everyone. I thank God that He's big enough. It's not that there's no need for like sibling rivalry, right? You know, a lot of times where you have a lot of siblings, right? I don't really have that many siblings, but I can understand it. It's like sometimes you have rivalry, you will fight because you understand that mom and dad probably only has this amount of stuff that they can provide. So you want to fight for the best, right? It's like I want to sit in the front seat, right? You know, because there's only one front seat. Or you know, I want to go overseas because there's only budget for one person to go overseas. But I thank God that our Father in heaven is big enough to accommodate everybody. Just because someone else wins doesn't mean you lose. Just because someone else is blessed doesn't mean I cannot be blessed. God is big enough. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses that us throw everything off that hinders and run the race that is marked out for us. There is a race marked out for you and I. Every one of us will go through different phases of blessing, different phases of testing. The important thing is to run our own race. Turn to someone next to you and say, stay in your lane. Stay in your own lane. Husbands, wives, you may be, you know, you may be married and joined as one, but God has enough destiny for both of you. You don't have to compete against one another. Brothers, sisters, leaders, business people, God has something for each and every one of us. Stay on your own lane. Galatians 6.4 says this, Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Comparison is the thief of joy. And comparison is the fastest way, the one-way road to discouragement. I tell, you know, if you are a young person, put it this way. Someone's, hi, you know, someone's highlight reel is, just because someone's, um, you see someone's highlight reel, don't compare their highlights to your behind the scenes. And for, oh, for those older people, you don't know what, what, I, what, what that means, right? It's someone else's headline doesn't mean, you know, it's that person's story, that person's chapter. Don't compare yourself. Colossians 3 says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. Whatever that is given to you, finish it and finish it well because you are working for God. And God this is the principle of God. They who are trusted with little can be trusted with much. Only small people think they are too big for certain tasks. Don't despise the small place or the small beginnings or the mundane things that you are doing. Finish it well and don't compare yourself to someone else. 
And Paul also says this, I have kept the faith. It is one thing to fight the good fight and to finish the race, but it's another thing to actually do both and have to have kept the faith. And what I mean by this is one thing to go through life, one, you know, go through life thanking God and another way to go through life being bitter, disappointed, and angry. As you bring 2018 to a close, can I ask you, have you kept the faith? Now, what a fire, I've thought about this, right? I was meditating on this, I was thinking about it. This morning, I'm not really preaching to you. I'm, just, I'm also sharing with you uh, different things that I have, um, that God is speaking to me and uh, how I want to end my own year, okay? So, here are five signs. I want to give you five signs that, that you have kept the faith or five signs of someone keeping the faith. The first thing is you have kept your intimacy with Christ. That's the most precious thing keeping your intimacy with Christ. That this, in spite of circumstances, in spite of how busy you are and all that, you keep your intimacy with Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you must feel God close to you all the time. Because closeness to God is not a feeling. Closeness to God is a revelation. When you understand that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, then you live in conviction and not in emotion. Then you will have devotion and trust to God because you are convicted. Intimacy with Christ. Intimacy with Christ does not also mean that, right, it has, your relationship has to be vibrant, dynamic, all that. All of us go through different phases in our relationship, even with one another, right? For those of you who are married or are dating, Right, you will remember what they call the honeymoon phase, right? Where you can't get enough of one another, where you want to live, breathe, sleep, and you know, and the other person, everything's all about the other person. But then after that phase, right, there comes a mundane phase, a, a, um, a, a phase where you don't feel as much, where you don't feel that stimulated or excited by the other person anymore. But that is when you realize love is not just a feeling, it is a choice that I choose to stay committed to you, I choose to love you, I choose to be in a relationship. And that is with God as well. Do you choose to be close to Him in spite how you feel or despite what has happened? The second thing is this very important, a biblical perspective on life. When we go through a year or go through any situation and we can come out of it and still have a biblical perspective, not an emotional one, not a judgmental one or not one based on someone else's opinion, but a perspective that is built on the Word of God. It's very important that we understand and that we view things the way God views them. Biblical perspective. Your perspective affects everything. Someone may see difficulty, but another person sees opportunity. I think of the story of Caleb and Joshua, the two, the two spies sent out, right? All the other spies said that when we go there, we will be devoured by the giants and all that. But two others would say, no, we can take it with God. The bigger the problem, the more room for God to move. One person may see rejection 
or defeat another person may see, this is now an opportunity for me to learn. Do you know what disappointment is? Disappointment is an opportunity to have an appointment with God. When we get disappointed, then we can go, God, I come to you, teach me, tell me, what should I do in this situation? Your perspective, how do you perceive things that are happening to you? The third thing is it's a soft and tender heart. It's so important that we keep a soft and tender heart because that is by the, is the means that God speaks to us. You know the parable of the sower where Jesus said that the word of God or the kingdom of God is like a seed that it, where the seed is sent out or cast out or planted, it only grows when it is planted in good soil. And one of the illustrations that Jesus gave is that a soil that is on rocky ground, hardened ground, will not be able to grow. Now, sometimes we have a hard heart, not because we intentionally want to be bitter, but it could be because we feel like it's like a defense mechanism. We want to protect ourselves. I don't want to expect too much anymore because I've been disappointed. I don't want to believe too much anymore because I've been hurt. But my friends, when we harden our heart, we are building walls instead of bridges. We need to soften our heart and be tender towards God and the things of God for God to allow, to, to allow God to continue plant in us and cultivate the right things in us. People can go through years and years of bitterness and unforgiveness and it is like poison not just to themselves but to those around them. Have you ever met someone who is so bitter and you just wish like, God, I just hope and pray that you can deliver this person out of their bitterness. You know, and they go through so much in life. You, you know, my friends, you cannot control what comes at you but you can control what comes out of you. You cannot control what is around you, but you can control what is within you. You can keep a soft heart, a heart that is moldable and plowable for God. Don't harden your heart. That's what even God says. Don't harden your heart. Instead, open it up and allow God to speak to you. The fourth thing is this. A teachable, humble, responsible, and obedient spirit. And I take this cue from um, Pastor Chu, right? Really one of the uh, most, I would say, underestimated or undervalued lesson um, that Pastor Chu, our senior pastor, actually gives is this, that Pastor Chu is a learner. And how I know this is he has a learning posture. You know, Pastor Chu, uh, I, I observe him, he's, he's been, he goes to many, many, he's in four ser services every weekend. He goes to different seminars, you know, and we have staff refresh and all the, um, all the you know, people will be sharing and all that kind of stuff. No matter who is sharing, no matter who is giving out the talk or the teaching, Pastor Chu always has this posture of like, I want to learn. I want to receive. Even if I heard it before, maybe I'll receive something new. And it's seen in his posture. And I love that. And I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm trying to learn from that because one of my weaknesses is, you know, my wife would tell you that if I'm disinterested, I will like switch off, you know, and I'll look at my phone and all that. But I want to have that learning posture. Do you know that life, every opportunity is a learning moment. Every difficulty especially is a learning moment. You can learn something from everyone and everything all the time. In fact, I would say this, right? Teachability has more to do with the learner than it does the teacher. 
I'll say that again. Teachability has more to do with the learner than it does the teacher. When we decide I will have a soft heart, I will receive different things, that's when we know that we have kept the faith. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I've not hit the ceiling yet. I'm still developing. And the fifth thing is this, that you have clarity in your purpose and calling. My friends, years and months and different things will come and go. Circumstances will change and adapt and shift. The question is, do you have clarity in where you are going or where God wants you to be? And it's very important that we do that. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, we got when, when I actually um, um, finished Bible college, uh, as all, or rather as I was finishing Bible college in Australia, one of the things that God spoke to me was that He wanted me to come back to Malaysia. And I can tell you that when I first went to Bible college, I had no thoughts uh, of coming back to Malaysia. To me, it was like, you know, like Australia is like the land, the promised land, you know, the south land, the Holy Spirit, you know, that kind of thing. It's where I had personal revival in my faith, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I thought I would serve God in Australia and I would do that. And, you know, God spoke to me and said, you know, I want you to go back to Malaysia because this is where I'm calling you to. So I will admit to you that when I first came back to Malaysia, um, I had this like attitude where I thought like, wow, you know, like I'm like a, some hotshot, spiritual hotshot coming from Australia. I'll teach all these Malaysians what to do, you know, that kind, of, that kind of thing. And I thought like, you know, I came back and everything will fall into place because surely God has called me, you know, that kind of thing. But when I came back from Australia to Malaysia, uh, the first couple of years was very, very tough, very, very challenging. In fact, after my first year in Malaysia, I actually wondered to myself, what in the world am I doing here? People upgrade in life, I've downgraded myself, you know, that kind of thing. I've now, I come back here, you know, like, ministry's not working out well and all that, and I just feel like, what is going on? So I had to seek God. I had to ask God, God, is this where you want me to be? And, you know, throughout the years and the months, God pro- I processed it with God, and God confirmed that, yes, this is where I want you to be. And right now, I have settled, and I know that, yes, this is absolutely where God wants me to be. But, you know, that my point is there was a time where I went through difficulty, I went through challenges, and I wondered, I, I was answering the call of God, why am I going through so much trouble? But let me tell you this, the call of God attracts attacks. Trouble does not disprove that you are called. In fact, it proves that you are on the right track. When you have a vision from God, you will surely face opposition. This is how God grows and how things happen and how things move. Just like a kite. A kite doesn't move with the wind. It moves against the wind. As we draw 2018 to a close, are you clear in where you are? Do you recognize that perhaps every victory and disappointment are simply building blocks, the pieces that God wants to put through a process in order to bring the product in you? Are you clear in that? Are you clear in that? Just like Paul. Paul was in jail, but he was so clear of his purpose. And I will kind of like 
spend the next 10 minutes just um, sharing with you a few things how, what we can do practically to end the year or even just um, this good practices, right? A few weeks ago, I went away on a retreat with, the, um, with some of the leaders and I taught them this, right? This is something that God actually taught me as well, um, that rest, you know, spiritual rest is intentional. A lot of times we think that rest is like, yeah, you know, I just sit around and do nothing. But as we come to the end of the year, I want to leave you with these five things that we can do in order to help us finish strong so that we can carry on. The first thing is this, number one, reflect on your year. Reflect on your year. Whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, reflect on it. Think about how far you have come, what God has done in your life and what He is continuing to do. The second thing is this. Release your troubles. Release your troubles. Often we don't take time to reflect, to think back on what has happened, um, you know, what, what, what have I gone through and all that. We just kind of take things as it is. But as we, when we do that, what happens is we just go through the motions and not make full use of the moments that God gives us. But the other thing that we also sometimes find very difficult to do because of our human nature is to release our troubles. 1 Peter 5 says this, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Casting our anxieties, releasing our burdens takes a lot of intentionality. Because Jesus Himself said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have to bring what we are carrying to Jesus. Release your troubles. And one, I'll share with you um, um, one how I do that in my own life as well. Um, my wife is here. Uh, sorry, sweetheart. I'm just going to tell everyone uh, what, what, what our life is like. Uh, you can't do anything to stop me because I have the microphone. But she may be mad. She may be mad at me afterwards, right? But, you know, pastors are human beings as well. Do you all know that? Uh, we, we're not like some spiritual giants that we float around in our, even in our, at home. You know, when we walk past, you know, water, it becomes holy, you know, that kind of thing. No, right? We're all human beings. Um, you know, and pastors, you know, who are married, we get into fight with our wives as well, right? So, some, you know, so like I just, I remember last weekend, I had the day planned out perfectly, a Sunday. I thought to myself, you know what, we're going to wake up at this time and then we're going to get, you know, the little baby ready by a certain time. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to get out of the house by a certain time. We're going to get to church. This is going to be a good day. But how many of you know sometimes when you make plans, they go completely opposite the way you thought it would, right? So you know, the baby wakes up, she's screaming, she's yelling, and then when you got a screaming baby, you end up with a uh, screaming wife, and then, you know, and you're like, and I'm thinking like, my gosh, like, you know, don't do this to me, it's church day, right? You can hide at home, but I have to go and I have to face everyone. You can stay at home and Jesus will forgive you. I cannot stay at home because I'm a pastor, I have to come to church, you know, Jesus may forgive me, pastor, you won't forgive me, right? So I have to come. I have to come, you know, I'm getting paid for this, right? This is my job, so I have to come to church. And the worst thing is, as a pastor, you, come to, you can't come to church blackface, right? It's like you come to church blackface, and the congregation will say, yo, this Pastor John, uh, yo, what's wrong with him? 
so unfriendly. Uh, right? Arrogant, uh, that fella. You know, they got, like, it's like, it's like you, you can't. Uh, so you got to come in, you know, you got to have a good day, right? And then last week, you know, there was a little incident that I had to handle and all that. Regardless, right, like, needless to say, that day didn't go the way I thought it would or it should have. So, you know, and at the end of the day, I was also still mad, right? You know, sometimes I, I was mad and I wanted to go home and, and you know, tell my wife, like, you should have done this, you know, and all that, all that kind of stuff. But my wife and I are very different people. She's the kind where she's, when she's upset, leave her alone, right? Just leave her alone, let her slip it off and it's good. I'm the kind of person where I must handle it now, right? Like, I don't want to leave a matter unresolved, answer. I want to talk it out. I want to, you know, talk about what we agree on, what we disagree on, and how, what we can do to move forward, and then I will have peace, you know, that kind of thing. Then we must at least have a sh- handshake, all good, okay, thanks, you know, that kind of thing. Like, must have that. I'm that kind of person, right? But now you see there is, there, there is a problem, right? And there are times where my wife and I will get into a big fight, and what I would do is like, I would have to know, I would have no choice but to release it to God. I would have to go to God and go, okay, I don't need to settle the score now. I don't need to resolve anything just yet. I just need to come to you and you will give me the peace. And as I get your peace, I will have the clarity to know what to do. I will have the clarity to know what to say, because sometimes even when I'm, you know, when, when I'm worked up and I try to settle things, you can say things um, that's, like, that's harsh in a moment and all that. Releasing our troubles to God. That's a small example. But what are some troubles that you are experiencing right now in your life? Where you have done all that you have could. You have given your best shot. You have tried everything that you can possibly think of, but you are still stuck in a rut or you are facing a dead end. Can I encourage you this morning, release it to God. If you are, bit, if you are disappointed and you are carrying you know, hurt and pain from even broken relationships or unmet expectations from people, don't carry it into 2019. Release it to God. God and God invites us to give it to Him. He doesn't even judge us and go, that problem is too small, why are you giving it to me? He says, no, in all things, come to me and I will give you rest. Release your troubles. The third thing is this, rejoice over your triumphs. And what this means is to give thanks. Because can I tell you this, if we take a moment to be thankful, to just take a step back and, and realize what we do have instead of being hung up of what we don't have, there's many things to be thankful for. Do you know that? If, you, if I ask you to do this exercise for 30 seconds right now, think of at least three things that you are thankful for this morning. I'm very thankful that this morning we could come to church here and, you know, we can worship Him and we could listen to the Word of God. I am thankful that we have such nice, comfortable chairs to sleep in. I mean, to listen to the sermon, just checking, right, to see whether you're awake, right? I'm thankful that the air conditioning is functioning well. I'm thankful for those of you who managed to do it, to get into the lift to come up to level five that I didn't have to take the stairs. So many things to be thankful 
for. And you know, thankfulness is actually a spiritual principle. Rejoicing. That's why we have the fast songs, by the way. Uh, in case some of you don't realize this, right, that there is a purpose to why we have a fast song before the slow ones. You know, I, I pastor, one of my responsibilities is pastoring the worship team. And I told the worship leaders this, is that we will always praise God, regardless of how the congregation responds. So if you don't get a response from the congregation, right, you may feel discouraged, but let me tell you this, praise is not just for the people, it's for God. Because Psalm 104 says this, enter His gates with praise and His courts with thanksgiving. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness extends from generation to generations. When we come and we celebrate, we sing these fast songs, we are celebrating who God is. We are declaring that God, you are good, you are faithful, I believe in you. That's what we are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, be thankful in what? All circumstances, not some, not certain, not specific, in all circumstances. So when we come together, we praise God, that's what we are doing. We are giving thanks to Him. We are celebrating. You celebrate good things. When we have a birthday, we celebrate. When we have a promotion or graduation, we celebrate. When a football team scores a goal and wins a game and wins a trophy day, celebrate. And when we come here, let's remember this. We are celebrating God. We are celebrating Christ. And in your own life, remember, rejoice over the good things that God has done in your day, in your month, in your week, in your year, because there is surely something to be thankful for. Surely something to be thankful for. I'm thankful that even after I preach a really bad sermon sometimes, I go home and, you know, like I have someone to comfort me and that is my wife. She would tell me that oh, it was not too bad or sometimes she tell me, no, actually it was horrible, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm thankful that I have at least somewhere to go. I have, I'm thankful that I have... Pastor Chu is supportive, whether I have a preacher on sermon or off sermon, and my group of leaders here as well, whether, you know, um, I'm, it's a good sermon or bad sermon, they will turn up and they will support me. I'm thankful. What are you thankful for? What are you rejoicing over? The fourth thing is this, remember His goodness and promises. Don't forget to remember how good God is. In life, it is very easy to forget especially when we get overwhelmed of how good God actually is and how He has been. And you know, that's why we give, we say testimonies, we share testimonies. Do you know why we share testimonies? It's not to gloat about what God has done for us or not to go, oh, oh so good, oh, good for you that, that, that you know, God did that for you. No, when we share testimony, it's a remembrance, it's a sign or it's a symbol of saying, God, you have done it in my life before, would you do it again? God, you have done it for that person, surely you can do it again for me. God, you are good and I would think about your goodness. Don't forget in the dark what God spoke to you in the light. 
Remember the different promises and different things that God has said to you. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me for the rest of my days. Some of you here, you are waiting on God for fulfillment of a promise and you have not seen that promise come to pass. This day, this morning, I'm telling you, I'm begging you, I'm affirming you, remember God's goodness because God is who He says He is and He will do what He says He will do. God's timing may not be our timing, but His timing is perfect. Psalm 77 verses 11 to 12 says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. And the last thing is this, renew your commitment to Him. Once you have reflected, once you have released, once you have rejoiced and thank God for who He is, and then you remember of His faithfulness and promises, the last thing to do as we close 2018 and go into the new year is to renew your commitment onto God. Renew your commitment to Him. You know, uh, as I was coming to church this morning or going to SMCC to preach at the second service this morning, I actually thought about, um, I don't know why, I was, maybe I was feeling a little bit romantic and all that, but I actually thought about our wedding day. And I thought about our wedding day and I thought about um, um, like our vows, you know, the vows that we exchanged and all that. So I was a little bit curious and I wanted to look back on the vows that I actually gave to my wife. So I had it on my phone. So I scrolled and I looked, looked down at it and I was like, Wow, I actually was a very optimistic guy, an idealistic guy. I promised all kinds of things and, you know, I'm like, I think, you know, just in this month alone, I have failed to, you know, keep many of these promises. But just like our relationship with God, do you know a wedding doesn't define um, a marriage? It may be the start of a marriage, but wedding is an event. Marriage is a process. It's a lifetime. And it's the same with our relationship with God. A lot of times, we make promises to God. God, I'll do this for you. God, I'll do that for you. I'll do this and I'll do that. Or yes, God, I will go all out for you. Or yes, God, I will, you know, I will be so passionate for you. I will never lose my fire for you. Especially if we attend camps and conferences and all that. Or we hear a, you know, a charismatic speaker and we feel all charged up and we go, yeah. But a lot of times, what happens is life gets in the way. And we forget our commitment to Him. Just like how, you know, in a marriage, things get in the way, fights get in the way. But what the key is, is that I am intentional to remember, hey, I made a commitment to my wife. In a similar fashion, I've made a commitment to God. And as the year comes to an end, regardless of how it has turned out, whether it's good, whether it's bad, would you renew your commitment to Him and would you dare believe again? Would you dare believe again? Or would you dare continue believing that 2019, you will see more and more of God's favour and His faithfulness? We get a worship team up as I close with this. I talked about how our life is like a book, right? And every book has an author. I want to encourage you with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. I showed you this scripture before, but I want to emphasize this phrase where it says this, verse 2. Can we get a slide up? 
We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us put aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race. Looking onto Jesus, not to the left and not to the right, not to what that person is doing or what the other person is experiencing, but to stay in our lane and focusing on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If our life is a book and our story his story, let us continue to trust him to write the perfect ending for us. In every chapter, in every season, we trust in God. And that's a key word that God is really teaching me in this phase of my life. That the, the more I become, the longer I've been, I'm being a Christian, the longer I be a Christian, I find that it's not about trying harder but trusting more. A lot of times we want to try harder, try harder, but I feel like God is saying to me and to all of us here, trust Him more. The key to Christian life is not trying harder, but to trusting Him more. To obey Him and to trust that He will bring about the right outcome and right circumstance. And I'll leave you with this quote. This Jewish rabbi said this, Harold Kushner, I think of life as a good book. The further you get into it, the more it begins to make sense. That one day, my friends, I'm assured of this, one day, now I'm only 31 years old, but even as I look back on the past 10, 15, 20 years of my life, if I looked at each year individually, it would not have made sense. But if I looked at all of it a collective whole, I would see that so many things, while so many incidents or years, while they look like individual pieces, but in fact, they all came together to form a puzzle. In fact, I looked at the different things of my life. Many times where I felt like things were falling apart, I now look back and understand that it was actually more of God's plan falling into place. So my friends, as we bring 2018 to a close, there's still a good 20 or 25 days left and Christmas is still yet to come. But as we go through the month of December and approach the month of January, will we end the year strong? Because your story is going to carry on. That you are yet to receive your breakthrough, that breakthrough will come that you have yet to see that provision, that provision will come. That you have yet to see that healing, that healing will certainly come. God is still on the move and He is not done yet. Let's all rise in this place. We're going to worship God by singing this song because this song speaks of trusting in Him. So let's trust in Him. Let's trust in God in spite of our circumstances. Come across this place, let's worship Him. You know, this morning I was coming to church. I came down to the stairs earlier. I was waiting for Pastor Lee Chu to come down. Just about a few minutes she came down. But during those few minutes, I was sitting on a chair and my face looked, my eyes looked up and I saw my family picture in the living room. And the Spirit of God just prompted me. 
pray because there's an issue that I want to be resolved by the year end and I told the Lord Lord three times this year even the last one month things that I prayed for for other people were resolved by year end court cases salvations healing and by year end all were done Say, Lord, what about me? And the Lord said, Lift up your hands. And I claim that. I say, By the year of this, end of this year, this will be done. And I know it will. I want to share this faith with you. Open the altar. Some are unresolved issue in your business and your work. Let's pray. Journey with me. Let's pray together that within the next three weeks is settled. Will you believe with me? Whatever it is, your work, your business, your family, whatever it is from the balcony, you come. Let's believe together. There is enough faith in this house. Yeah. How much faith? Mustard seed faith. That's all that is needed. But let's believe God that in the next three weeks there will be a breakthrough. Amen. Amen. So although it's open, let's trust God. Whatever it is, you come. Let's believe and trust God together as we end the year and start next year strong. Hallelujah. Come on. Your friends and family, I feel like the Lord wants to encourage us with these two scriptures that just came to mind as I was praying up here. The first scripture is from 2 Corinthians 4, where it says this, that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. That we are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. God will continue to work in us. He has brought us this far. He will not let you down now and He will never, ever let you down. And the second scripture that comes to my mind is Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, where Paul says, not that I've already been made perfect, but one thing I do is to forget what is behind me and continue to move forward and strain forward towards the prize that is Jesus Christ. So I want to pray now for His Spirit and empowerment for us to continue to keep on keeping on for God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each and every person in this place. I thank you that you have a unique plan and destiny for everyone here. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you will continue to empower us and give us the grace to run this race with perseverance that is marked out for us and to also trust you, the author of our story, that you continue to pen the words of your will onto our, the pages of our life and that you continue to write and chart the story and our direction for each and every one of us. You are a good God 
and we trust you. Whatever that happens, whatever that comes, we will continue trusting you. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. We give you back all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.